Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Hello, beloved family. So good to be with you. I pray that uh, after this is Monday, after the first Sunday in Lent, that I pray that all is going well for you. And I truly apologize that I was not able to be with you all of last week. I feel like a stranger, but so glad to be back. And so many things to talk about and many things to read you and and bring you up to date on. But um, I don't know if God is prompting me to this or not, but uh, this may be for just one single person. But um, I know that often we make plans and have terrific intentions and we know what we're going to do, and especially for Lent, I'm going to give up this, I'm going to give these alms, I'm going to pray more, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, and then we fail. We don't continue or we don't even start. And we can tend to get depressed over that, but I don't want you to get depressed. I want you to never, ever, 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 ever give up and to know of God's love for you. And a while ago, I read a letter from Mother Teresa, um, and she wrote it as if the Lord were speaking to us. Um, In fact, I had so many good responses from it that I put it in our current Easter newsletter. It's a Lent Easter newsletter. It's at the printer now, and it's going to be in the mail next week. And if you're not on our mailing list, um, it's, a, it's a lovely newsletter, and this letter is included in it. Um, and if you're not on our mailing list, just go to our website, <clears throat> www.motherofisraelshope.org. Click uh, toward the right on newsletters, And you can sign up uh, for email or regular mail or both. Uh, We love when you sign up for both. We know we don't charge anything and we know that uh, there's a postage cost there. But um, the reason we love you to get it by what some people call snail mail is that we always print a special holy card and include it, which we're doing this time too. And if you get the newsletter by email, you don't get the inserts, but that's quite all right. It's utterly, utterly your choice, and if you get it on email, you're going to get it sooner than the regular mail one, but utterly your choice, dear one. So just click on newsletter, and right up on top, you could sign up, and and we'll include you in that mailing. And so, again, I'm going to read. I read this, oh, maybe a couple of weeks back, and it really helped uh, some folks, and I thought, well, Um, If you're a little discouraged uh, because you haven't made or kept or begun or continued your Lenten resolutions or the state of the world or a thousand other things in your life and you feel like you failed God, let me read this. It is true. I stand at the door of your heart. Now, this is Mother Teresa of Calcutta, Saint Mother Teresa of Calcutta, speaking as if Jesus is speaking through her. I stand at the door of your heart day and night, even when you are not listening, even when you doubt it could be me, I am there, waiting for even the smallest signal of your response, even for the smallest suggestion of an invitation 
that will permit me to enter. I want you to know that each time you invite me, I do not come always without fail. No, I'm so sorry. How did I put the word not in there? That's not from God. I do come always. I want you to know that each time you invite me, I do come always without fail. Silent and invisible I come, yet with a power and a love most infinite, bringing the many gifts of my spirit. I come with my mercy, with my desire to forgive and heal you, with a love for you that goes beyond your comprehension. A love in each detail, so grand like the love I have received from my Father. I have loved all of you as the Father has loved me. I come longing to console you and give you strength, to lift you up and bind all your wounds. And I'm going to interrupt here to to echo the hearts of some people that I'm sure, yeah, but I don't deserve this, I'm not worthy. Ditto, ditto, ditto. Nobody deserves it. Nobody is worthy. It is the free love and mercy of God that he showers on us and wants to, and wants us to believe in his love for us individually. He says, I come longing to console you and to give you strength, to lift you up and bind all your wounds. I bring you my light to dispel your darkness and all your doubts. I come with my power that allows me to carry you, with my grace to touch your heart and transform your life. I come with my peace to calm your soul. I know you like the palm of my hand. I know you like the palm of my hand. I know everything about you even the hairs on your head, I have counted. Nothing in your life is unimportant to me. I have followed you through the years, and I have always loved you, even when you have strayed. I know every one of your problems. I know your needs and your worries, and yes, I know all your sins. Excuse me. But I tell you again that I love you, not for what you have ceased to do. I love you for you, for the beauty and the dignity, um, for the beauty and the dignity my Father gave you by creating you in his own image. It is a dignity you have often forgotten, a beauty you have tarnished by sin, but I love you as you are, and I have shed my blood to rescue you. If you only ask me with faith, my grace will touch all that needs changing in your life. I will give you the strength to free yourself from sin and from all its destructive power. I know what is in your heart. I know your loneliness and all your wounds, the rejections, the judgments, the humiliations. I carried it all before you, and I carry it all for you so you could share my strength and my victory. I know above all your need for love, how much you are thirsting for love and tenderness. Yet how many times have you desired to satisfy your thirst in vain, seeking that love with selfishness, trying to fill the void within you with passing pleasures, with the even greater emptiness of sin. Do you thirst for love? Come to me, all you who thirst. I will satisfy you and fill you. Do you thirst to be loved? 
I love you more than you can imagine, to the point of dying on a cross for you. I thirst for you. Yes, that is the only way to even begin to describe my love for you. I thirst for you. I thirst to love you and to be loved by you. So precious are you to me that I thirst for you. Come to me, and I will fill your heart and heal your wounds. I will make you a new creation and give you peace even in your trials. I thirst for you. You must never doubt my mercy, my desire to forgive, my longing to bless you, and live my life in you, and that I accept you no matter what you have done. I thirst for you. If you feel of little value before the eyes of the world, it doesn't matter. There is no one that interests me in the whole world than you. I thirst for you. Open up to me. Come to me. Thirst for me. Give me your life. I will prove to you how important you are for my heart. Don't you realize that my father already has a perfect plan to transform your life beginning from this moment? Trust in me. Ask me every day to enter and take charge of your life, and I will. I promise you before my Father in heaven that I will work miracles in your life. Why would I do this? Because I thirst for you. All I ask of you is that you entrust yourself to me completely. I will do all the rest from this moment now. I behold the place of my Father. I behold the place my Father has prepared for you in my kingdom. Remember that you are a pilgrim in this life, traveling back home. Sin can never satisfy you or bring the peace you seek. All that you have sought outside of me has only left you more empty. So do not tie yourself to the things of this world. Above all, do not run from me when you fall. Come to me without delay, because when you give me your sins, you give me the joy of being your Savior. There is nothing I cannot forgive and heal. So come now and unburden your soul, no matter how far you have strayed without a destination, no matter how often you have forgotten me, no matter how many crosses you bear in this life, I want you to always remember one thing that will never change. I thirst for you, just you, as you are. You don't need to change to believe in my love, for it will be your confidence in that love that will make you change. You forget me, and yet I am seeking you every moment of the day, standing before the doors of your heart and calling. Do you find this difficult to believe? If so, look at the cross. Look at my heart that was pierced for you. Have you not understood my cross? Then listen again to the words I quote there, for they tell you clearly why I endured all of this. For you, I thirst. There's the music for our first break, beloved. We'll be right back after the break, and we'll coming to the last part of Mother Teresa's letter, and I will continue it. Uh, Don't go away and the second half hour will take your calls and your emails with anything on your heart.
consecration to St. Michael the Archangel. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. A most noble prince of the angelic hierarchies, valorous warrior of Almighty God, and zealous lover of His glory, terror of the rebellious angels, and love and delight of all the just ones, my beloved Archangel St. Michael, desiring to be numbered among thy devoted servants, I today offer and consecrate myself to thee, and place myself, my family, and all I possess under thy most powerful protection. I entreat thee not to look at how little I, as thy servant, have to offer, being only a wretched sinner, but to gaze, rather, with favorable eye at the heartfelt affection with which this offering is made. And remember that if from this day onward I am under thy patronage, thou must, during all my life, assist me and procure for me the pardon of my many grievous offenses and sins, the grace to love with all my heart my God, my dear Savior Jesus, and my sweet mother Mary, and obtain for me all the help necessary to arrive to my crown of glory. Defend me always from my spiritual enemies, particularly in the last moments of my life. Come then, O glorious Prince, and succor me in my last struggle, and with thy powerful weapon, cast far from me into the infernal abysses, that prevaricator and proud angel, that one day thou prostrated in thy celestial battle. St. Michael, defend us in our daily battle, so that we may not perish in the last judgment. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. I am live, I am she, and I'm thrilled to be with you. And I, I just feel badly that we couldn't be together all of last week. I think the Station of the Cross ran encores last week, but we are live and we'll be with you all of this week and hopefully uh, no interruptions from now on. I'm reading um, a letter that Mother Teresa, St. Mother Teresa of Calcutta wrote um, titled, I Thirst for You. It's from... Uh, our Lord's words in John chapter 19, verse 28, on the cross, one of his seven last words on the cross, saying, I thirst. And when Mother Teresa was a sister of Loretta and going on retreat one day, um, she saw a beggar, well, the train station was filled with beggars, and one particular beggar, naked, skinny, his teeth out, he looked up at Mother and she looked at him and he said, I thirst. And she believed she heard the word of the Lord through him, that it was God saying to her, I thirst. And she was called through that to begin the Missionaries of Charity. And she has the words, I thirst, in every convent throughout the whole world and on every chapel. I thirst for you. And so Mother Teresa wrote this letter as if speaking for Christ himself. And I'm going to continue I'm back, going to back up one small paragraph from where we left off. <clears throat> so again, 
It's Mother Teresa writing this, but as if Jesus is speaking. You don't need to change to believe in my love, for it will be your confidence in that love that will make your change. I want to tell you that that's what happened with me. Everybody could tell me God loves me. I I didn't understand it. But, But one day, it got through to me. It's not that God loves me, it's that God loves me. And that I understood he loves us individually. And that I was known and loved by God. It changed my life forever. So, he says, you don't need to change to believe in my love, for it will be your confidence in that love that will make you change. You forget me, and yet I am seeking you every moment of the day, standing before the doors of your heart and calling. Do you find this difficult to believe? If so, look at the cross. Look at my heart that was pierced for you. Have you not understood my cross? Then listen again to the words I spoke there, for they tell you clearly why I endured all this for you. And it's his word from the cross, I thirst. Hold on, please. And I need to play in here. Okay, we're good. Um, He continues, yes, I thirst. Mother Teresa continues speaking for our Lord Jesus. Yes, I thirst for you. As the rest of the psalm I was praying says of me, I waited, this is Psalm 69, I waited uselessly for compassion. I waited for someone for someone to console me, and I did not find it. All your life I have been desiring your love. I've never ceased searching for your love and longing to be loved by you in return. Beloved, I don't know if you, like me, find that just an over-the-top mystery. How could God, who is love himself, who needs nothing, long for our love? It's a mystery, but it's true. I've never ceased searching for your love and longing to be loved by you in return. You have tried many things in your goal to be happy. Why not try opening up for me your heart right now more than you ever have before? When you finally open the doors of your heart and you finally come close enough, you will then hear me say again and again, not in mere human words but in spirit, no matter what you have done, I love you for your own sake. Come to me with your misery and your sins, with your problems and needs, and with all your desire to be loved. I stand at the door of your heart and call. Open to me, for I thirst for you. Jesus is God. Therefore, his love and his thirst are infinite. He, the creator of the universe, asked for the love of his creatures. He has thirst for our love. These words, says Mother Teresa, I thirst, do they not echo in your soul? Beloved, you may say, well, he may thirst for people in general, but he can't thirst for me. My life is miserable. I've failed him. I've lied. I've 
I've been slothful, I've been lazy, I've committed great, great, great mortal sins, great crimes. My life is, is just denies God in every way. How could he thirst for me? I don't know. I'm not God, but he does. He does thirst for you. Think of a mother, and this is a miserable comparison. Think of a mother who had a little boy, and, and he was her treasure, and she gave her life for him, and she raised him. And in his teenage years, he got with bad crowds, and he stole, and he abused women, and he went on to drugs. He even committed murder. He did all these things, all these things. Could the mother not say, I thirst for him? I, he's my flesh and blood. I thirst for him. I long for him to know how much I love him. And that no matter what he's done or what he believes he is, I thirst for him and will always love him and will always receive him. Mothers can understand that love. But we can hardly understand a love of God whose creature put him to death. It's not easy for us to understand that. We have a recurring prayer request here at the Daughters of Mary from a mother whose prayer is for her sons to accept the love she has for them. It's the same cry of the heart. I wish they would accept the love I have for them. And they don't. Why they don't, I don't know. Maybe they don't believe the mother has that love. I don't know. But all we have to do to believe God is to look at the cross. He did that for us. And in our stead, we deserve death. And in his love, he took the death for us and gives us what we don't deserve, which is life, when we come to him and trust him and believe in him. But I don't know how to come to him. Just ask him to help you. Blessed Lord, I want to come to you. I want to know what it is to be loved by you. I want to love you. I don't feel it. I want to love you. But I don't know how. And I don't know how to fully accept your love for me. And I can't change my life. And you can't but God can. But I don't know how. Ask him. Say, Lord, I want this. I want to love you. I want to believe in your love for me. I want my life to be what you created it to be. Uh, instead of living a death in this world, I want to know what happiness is, even this side of heaven. I want to know that, Lord. But I don't know how to get there. I don't know how to trust you. What do you think a father has a little girl and he, she's three years old, and he puts her up on a, a little counter. He says, come on, jump, I'll catch you. And she's too afraid, and the father knows he's going to catch her, but she's afraid. And it may take coaxing for weeks. Come on, come on, I got you. And he'll come two inches from her for her to jump, and she still won't jump, and he'll, he'll, he'll just keep at it until she feels the trust and the freedom to jump and knows that her father will be there to catch her and she'll be safe. God is not a human father. He created us in love for love. Don't doubt him. You might know the um, famous Winston Churchill, prime minister of England. He was thrown out of his alma mater, of his high school. He was thrown out of school and told he was dumb and would never amount to anything. Well, he amounted to a great deal. And he's written huge works of history and was prime minister of England and very, the picture of success. And they called him back to his high school years later when he was Prime Minister of England and in front of an all-boys high school, and they gave him a 20-minute introduction. All these 
titles, all these accomplishments, everything, 20 minutes. And finally, he got to talk to the boys. And this was his entire speech. Young men, never give up. Never give up. Never, 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 never give up. And he sat down. That was his entire speech. I've never forgot reading that. Because at times when I want to give up, you, Mother Miriam, you want to, yes, yes. Many times I want to give up. Many times I feel discouragement. And I know that it's from the devil. Discouragement, beloved, accept this as a fact. Two and two is four is a fact. Discouragement is from the devil. It's a fact. It's not from God ever. It's from the devil. It's not even from you. If you get discouraged, that is going to sink you into depression and um, immovability. Anytime you feel discouraged, because it's, it's a heavy, it's, it sinks you. Just say, get thee behind me, Satan, and know it's from the devil, and say, it's not from you, Lord, I won't accept it. I won't accept it. Just work right through it, and don't accept it. It's a lie, and it's from the devil. And it's not a lie, it's true. The devil can have that power over you. But know that it's not from God. It's not your fault either. It's the devil. And the devil takes advantage of our circumstances, our chinks in the armor, if we're weak, if we fail, if we doubt, if we don't fulfill responsibility, temptations, a million things. That's what the devil harps on. So just say, get thee behind me, Satan, and choose one thing you could do that's going to overcome what you've been uh, procrastinating in or not doing and just reverse it. Yeah, but mother, I haven't, I failed with my Lenten resolutions on Ash Wednesday. So what? So what? You're, you're one of a million people, five million people that have failed, a billion people that have, so what? Pick up today. The only failure is not trying. You could fail a hundred times. The only failure is failing to get up and try again. That's the only failure. Remember Thomas Edison who invented electric? He failed 5,000 times inventing the light bulb. He didn't consider anything a failure. He said, now I know 5,000 ways not to do it. 5,000 ways it doesn't work. Don't you let the devil ever get to you. Don't you let him get to you. Greater is he in you than he who is in the world. So whatever you wish to do for Lent, go ahead. Don't put too much on yourself. One thing, one thing. Give up meat every Friday. That's required on Fridays. That you need to do. And if you fail, confess it and go on and say, Lord, I did fail. I'm sorry. I I forgot I was not supposed to eat meat or I was tempted and ate it anyway or whatever the thing was, Lord, I apologize and just pick up and go on. And this coming Friday, plan to not eat meat again. Don't worry. It's not from God. It's not from God. Um, The Jewish people love to worry. I could say it because I'm Jewish. Because they say what they worry about doesn't happen. Why are you taking an umbrella? Because if I take an umbrella, it won't rain. See? (laughs) Worry works. It doesn't happen. No, don't worry. Trust the love of God for you, beloved. 
And we're coming up against our second break, and I invite you to call in. Our lines are all open with anything on your heart, toll free. Um, it's one eight seven seven five. Hello, beloved. This is Mother Miriam. Many of you are familiar with Mother Miriam Live, but I wonder if you have listened to some of the other programs from the Station of the Cross, such as the Catholic Current. Father Robert McTague discusses important topics in the church and in the world each weekday at 5 p.m. Eastern. You can listen anytime to The Catholic Current as a podcast on the iCatholic Radio mobile app. Sometimes we might be put in very difficult circumstances. Sometimes the circumstances might seem to be very conducive to holiness, but that really is a secondary question, what the circumstances are. It really depends on what our attitude is and what we want to do, again, in those circumstances, whether we want to see God's providence in those circumstances. How easily we make that excuse that if we were in different circumstances, I would practice virtue. If maybe I wasn't surrounded by so many annoying people, then I would be a patient person, but there's just too many difficult people in my life that make it impossible for me. You know, if I didn't have so many distractions in prayer, then I would be a man of great prayer, but there's just too many of them in my mind. I can't. If the circumstances were different, if I lived in a different time, in a different place, if the people in my life were different, then I would be different. We make these excuses and become complacent. It's not the circumstances we're in, but what we do in them that determines whether we reach holiness or not. That's Sermons for Everyday Living from 6 to 7 a.m. Eastern on the Station of the Cross. Station of the Cross has many ways to keep you informed about our programming. You can view the highlights of our primetime programming schedule or the full 24-7 programming grid at both thestationofthecross.com or the free iCatholic Radio app. Just search under the Programming tab. Our website also offers a printable version for your convenience. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. This is our half hour together, my favorite time of the program. Um, and we uh, will take calls and emails and anything that's on your heart. It doesn't have to be our topic. I often say that the heart of the matter is the matter of your heart. So feel free to call in, toll-free 1-877-511-5483, or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We're going to take an email from uh, someone who writes in anonymously and says... I still do not fully understand the history behind the Israel-Palestine conflict and was hoping you could work through some of that for us. It seems that everyone expects me to pick a side, but I am simply not well informed enough to make that judgment. In fact, it feels wrong to choose a side at all when it seems that innocent lives are being lost on both sides. I'm with you on this. Uh... The writer says, for example, what does the term Zionist mean? It's not a religious term. It's, it's a uh, political term of those who, uh, who, who want the land. Um, so he says, what does the term Zionist mean? I've seen it thrown around prominently as of late. 
is this whole conflict related to what land belongs to who, or is there more to the issue? These are just a couple of the many questions I have. Well, the Palestinians believe all the land belongs to them, and the Jews believe all the land belongs to them. So it's not what land belongs to who. A two-state policy has just not been successfully negotiated and probably never will be. You know, um, I'm going to read something that sums it up uh, that I found on Vox, V-O-X, by um, Zach Bochamp. Uh, It it seems to be a a good summary. Um, But I go back to the Old Testament and the fact that God gave the land to Israel from Dan to Bathsheba. But they didn't follow him. They turned from him. And God told them, uh, Chronicles, he said, if my people who are called, and at the time Chronicles was written, they were surrounded by their enemies as they are today. And God said, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear their prayer and heal their land. And that's the solution for Israel, but they won't do it. If they don't do it, they're, they're turned from God. And Deuteronomy chapter 28 says, if you obey me, I bless you. If you disobey me, I will curse you. And they have been under uh, cursing for many generations now because they are turned from God. And so while we know that Israel is um, the land God gave to the Hebrew people, um, yet um, it, it's a very difficult situation and, um, uh, and, and a history. Let me just read this a little bit. Um, All right, hold on now. Israel, it begins, Israel is the world's only Jewish state located just east of the Mediterranean Sea. When you look at a map, it's ridiculous. It's just a tiny, an inch on a map. Palestinians, which is the Arab population that hails from the land Israel, now controls, refer, um, and they refer to the whole territory as Palestine, not Israel. Um, and they want to establish a state by that name on all or part of the same land, the Israeli-Palestine conflict. So the Jews call it Israel, the Arabs call it Palestine. The Israeli-Palestine conflict is over who gets what land and how it is controlled. That's the whole thing. Um, Though both Jews and Arab Muslims date their claims to the land back a couple of thousand years, the current political conflict um, sorry hold on the current political conflict began in the early 20th century jews fleeing persecution in europe wanted to establish a national homeland in what was then an arab and muslim majority territory in the ottoman and later british empire the arabs resisted seeing the land as rightfully theirs An early United Nations plan to give each group of the land failed, and Israel and the surrounding Arab nations fought several wars over the territory. Today's lines largely reflect the outcomes of of two of these wars, one waged in 1948, the other in 1967. Many of us remember those wars. I don't remember 48. I was, I was alive, but not tuned to the political scene, but I certainly remember the 67. The 1967 war is particularly important for today's conflict as it left Israel in control of the West Bank and Gaza Strip. 
Now, I could go on to describe the locations and all. I'm looking at a map. But all you need to do is look at a map of Israel. And the West Bank is the West Bank of the Jordan. And the Gaza Strip is the ultimate west uh, of Israel. Um, Two territories home to large Palestinian populations. Um, So the left is in control of the West Bank and the Gaza Strip. But both of them are home to large Palestinian populations. I tell you, I wouldn't want to be living in a territory that's controlled by Russia or Cuba or someone like that. It, it, would, it would mean a miserable life. Well, these Palestinians are controlled by Israel, who won those territories in those wars. The article says, today the West Bank is nominally controlled by the Pal- nominally, that means not very effectively, nominally controlled by the Palestinian Authority and is under Israeli occupation. This comes in the form of Israeli troops who enforce Israeli security restrictions on Palestinian movement and activities and Israeli settlers, which are Jews who build ever-expanding communities in the West Bank that effectively deny the land to Palestinians. It's an awful situation, both sides. Awful situation. Gaza is controlled by Hamas. They're the terrorist group. An Islamist militant group. It has been under an Israeli blockade since Hamas seized control in 2007. So one stringent, I mean one so stringent that human rights groups then liken the situation to an open-air prison. See, you, you can't, you have Palestinians largely occupying land controlled by Israelis. It, it's, that's got to be a very unhappy, awful situation. The article goes on to say, currently Israel is at war with Hamas, a conflict following a horrific rampage on October 7th of last year, in which militants from Hamas and Palestinian Islamic Jihad, another extremist group, launched attacks that killed more than 1,400 Israelis and took more than 240 hostage. Israel has responded with widespread bombardment of the Gaza Strip and a ground incursion killing and injuring tens of thousands of Palestinians. When you say you don't know what side to be on, I'll tell you truthfully, neither do I. There are many injustices involved and a um, uh, really a, a very miserable history here, but this is a very awful situation. The article continues, the internationally supported political s- solution to the broader conflict endorsed in the past by both Israel and the Palestinian Authority, is a so-called two-state solution. That would establish Palestine as an independent state in Gaza and most of the West Bank, leaving the rest of the land to Israel. Though the two-state plan is clear in theory, the two sides are still deeply divided over how to make it work in practice. Moreover, influential factions on both sides outright oppose it. The alternative to a two-state solution is a one-state solution, wherein all the land becomes either one big Israel, one big Palestine, or some kind of shared state with a new name. There's no way that's going to work. Generally speaking, these outcomes seem even less likely at present than two states, making it hard to imagine any kind of formal resolution happening 
anytime soon. Predicting the future of the conflict is even harder in the wake of the October 7th attack and subsequent war in Gaza. The war is such a major development with such major implications for the region that it could transform the nature of Israeli-Palestine relations as we know them. Um, that's a summary. Um, what side to be on? I tell you, my heart is on both sides. I'm Jewish, and I want God's people to have their land. But again, I would prefer they turn back to him than simply have geographic land. Um, I think the Palestinians have been wronged uh, in the past, and I think a minimum of a two-state solution uh, might be, might be the, the, neither, the, uh, the, neither one is going to give in to a two-state solution, and it turns out that the Arabs will not rest until not just um, they get the land of Israel, but until every Jew is abolished from the earth. That's what's happening if you're following the news to absolutely abolish Israel in the person of every single Jew anywhere on the earth. And if you look what's happening all over the world, Australia, uh, Jews are being persecuted, synagogues burned, um, uh, not, not, they can't get jobs, all this kind of thing. It's, 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 um, um, some things are resembling the Holocaust all over again. And it, at, at any cost, we must fight against that. At any cost, we must fight against that. Stores are being burned. Um, it, it, it's beginning to resemble the Holocaust. But I tell you what, beloved, does it break my heart? Yes. Um, but um, we have a worse Holocaust with abortion. So we could have love and sympathy for a people and what God has done through them, uh, which is above all to bring the Messiah. But... Um, we are living a Holocaust uh, through abortion. More children called, um, uh, killed in abortion. More babies killed in their mother's womb that were ever killed in the Holocaust. So it's, it's an awful, awful situation. Uh, personally, I can't take sides. I wish Israel would have their land, but I want them to return to God. And I think if God wants them to have their land, he will do it. It won't happen through uh, the current wars and um, um, evil that's going on today. We have an email from Kate. Kate says, Hello, Mother. <clears throat> I have heard you recommend the Revised Standard Version Catholic Edition as your favorite Bible. That's right. However, as of late, I have also heard many devout, faithful Catholics recommend the Douay Rheims. And I'm wondering if you can tell me what the difference is between the two. Better yet, why is it called the Douay Reims in the first place? And what does that mean? Um, she goes on to say, a wonderful traditional priest friend of mine stated that the Douay is his favorite version as well, but he did not express any sort of issue with the RSVCE, that's the Revised Standard Version Catholic Edition either. What was it that made you prefer that version over all others? Thanks so much for your show. Well, Kate... Um, the reason I've used the RSVCE, the, the, uh, both the Protestant and the Catholic versions of the Revised Standard Version are the same. It's the CE, the Catholic edition, that has the full Catholic Bible with the seven-plus books that Martin Luther took out at the Reformation and which were included in the Septuagint that our Lord carried and quoted from. 
um, I was told um, by people I respected, Scott Hahn and others who use the RSCVE, that it's the most literal uh, of all. And the Douay Reims is the most beautiful in language, has the old these and thous, but some of the RSVCE does as well. And so I have simply um, been, I think that's the music, I can barely hear it, but that looks like the music for our second break, beloved. We'll be right back after the break. We'll have 10 minutes for our last segment. You'll be welcome to call in with anything on your heart. Toll free 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We'll be right back, Kate, and I'll give you another comment on the two versions. the question for your non-Catholic friend. Are you lured by the half-century-old shift in Christianity that hails, I am supposed to be blessed with all my needs met, including excellent health, upward financial abundance, and sidestepping any adverse circumstance? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, sand or rock, your prosperity church or your megachurch is offering you vanishing fantasies. Tens of millions are reaching for the lures that tickle a natural human quest for life with no heartaches. That is not Christianity as described by Jesus and the apostles. Secondly, there's seven 73 books, not just 73 individual verses of a dream life. God's merciful action in our life brings us into seasons that are not pleasant. We all struggle with expectations like take up your cross and follow me. We just can't skirt it. This is a very real part of Christianity. St. Paul said in multiple places, what he suffered as loss, he counted as rubbish in order that he might gain Christ. And thirdly, my take on the lives of the saints. Bluntly said, more went wrong than went right, except at the end. And isn't that what counts? Find me online at Smarty Pants Catholic Evangelism. Here at the Station of the Cross, we proudly bring the truths of the Catholic faith to countless listeners through radio and mobile devices, and we're grateful for the feedback we've received. I'm a uh, widower, parent of three almost adults, and listen to you guys around the clock. Father McTigg, Society of Jesus, he's wonderful. Mother Miriam, of course, the Divine Office, and many other great things that Station of the Cross does. So thanks very much for your great work. I had a friend at work email me and tell me about the Station of the Cross a couple months after it started, and I was so excited. I tuned into it, and I found that I love the Catholic Station. If you've been blessed, by listening to the Station of the Cross, let us know. Call 1-877-888-6279, extension 112, then share your testimonial with us. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. I am live, not an encore. I'm thrilled to be with you again this week. And um, we have 10 minutes, and you're welcome to call in with anything whatsoever on your heart. Toll free one 877 
5483. I'll do that again. 877-511-5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We have been uh, taking an email from Kate who is asking the difference between why uh, I've mentioned before that the Revised Standard Version Catholic Edition is my favorite uh, versus the Douay Rheims, which um, uh, I think uh, she said a traditional priest friend of hers uses and loves. Well, I do love both. The Douay Rheims, and she asked what Douay Rheims means, uh, just two cities in France where the... Um, where the Bible was put together. One is Douai, one is Reims. And there are two cities in France where that translation uh, was put together. Um, I was told early on uh, that the Revised, as a, becoming Catholic, that the Revised Standard Version Catholic Edition was possibly the most literal, even though the Douai Reims was beautiful in its English, old King James English, although it was written before King James Bible. Um, and I love the old these and now. So, and the Revised Standard has them as well in the Psalms and elsewhere. So I just trusted that, and I've used the Revised Standard since because I was told it's more literal. But, Kate, with your email, I actually did a search on that. And it turns out that it may be the Douay Reims that is the most literal, um, and that the Revised Standard Version Catholic Edition is the most what they call dynamic, which means that um, uh, they have used a literal translation, but uh, translated in such a way that's closer to our English, uh, not compromising meaning, but just makes a little more sense. If you read the Greek directly, for example... Uh, it would you wouldn't even be able to put a sentence together. So those who understand Greek can put it together in English. And uh, apparently the Douay Reims is a little closer to the original. And the Revised Standard is, they call it more dynamic because it, instead of saying to the park he went, it says he went to the park, that kind of thing. Uh, just as true uh, and, and, you know, certainly literal, but... Um, uh, they call that dynamic. If you say to the park he went, um, uh, or to the park thou goest, rather than they go to the park. So that's that's as far as my limited understanding. That's what I understand. But I tell you what, because of your email, Kate, I went and got myself a Douay Rheims Bible. In fact, I got the Haydock um, edition, which I've from Loretto Publications, which I've seen publicized by EWTN and others, and I never understood it. So I have it now, and I'm going to be reading through it. And I love you for your email. I have the the Revised Standard as well, but I'm going to be reading through the Douay Rames, and I thank you for it. We have an email from Andrew who says, "Hi, Mother. In standing by the Holy Faith, <clears throat> I've been dealing with a massive amount of backlash." from my entire social circle. For example, my high-ranking bagpipe band knows that I am a devout Catholic, but they try to silence my comments when I address sinful activity and view me as some lunatic, lunatic due to my devoutness. Just recently, three of those friends in the band wanted to take me to a very awful sinful club that entertains the flesh, and I firmly told them no. They kept insisting, and I explained that not a single soul should go anywhere near the devil's playground. A few other members, along with them, were laughing at the situation 
and we're just about mocking my responses. You know why they're mocking you. Because even Catholics don't talk that way this day. Most Catholics would say, I I just don't want to, or my faith doesn't let me. So they're very, very sheepish. Um, And we are sheep, but very um, hesitantly. If you say, um, uh, uh, not a single soul should go anywhere near the devil's playground, you sound like a preacher of a hundred years ago with the way priests used to talk, and it, it was great. So you, you sound like some odd fellow um, and, and something to be laughed at as if you're using, as if you're in a, a Brooklyn gang and they say, hey, hey, how you doing? And you say, how are you today? They would laugh at you. What are you about? We mean, how are you today? See, so I think um, um, they just are in uh, Satan's world. Um, you're not real to them. And the email goes on. When they spoke about one of their friends attending a gay supporting mainline Protestant church, I said that God's mercy and light must be shown for their conversion from heresy. Well, you're totally right, but they don't understand what you're talking about. They're in the world. And then he says, one friend belligerently said that calling one's deeply sincere religious beliefs heresy is insulting and disrespectful. Um, well, Jesus said, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, and called them whitewashed tombs. So it, it's not. It, it, people don't understand that. He said, I am free to believe in whatever. This is true. But to label one's deep beliefs as heresy, false, or inconsistent with the Catholic faith is unacceptable according to him. Well, again, that's according to him. At another time, someone took the Lord's name in vain, and I attempted to lecture the person that no one dares to disrespect the name of Christ. And another piper in the band interjected, no, let him say what he wants to say, interpreting every single time I tried to voice my thoughts. Um, I'm going to interrupt you right here. Everything you say, I think, is gold. It's, Andrew, I wish Catholics would speak like you do. They don't anymore. They believe as you do, but they are too timid. Um, What you say is perfect. But you're talking to an unbelieving world, and they can't receive it. So you're, you're playing a one-man handball against a wall, you know, hitting a, a hardball against a brick wall. They can't receive what you're saying, nor do they understand it. Um, I'll tell you uh, um, a solution I had one day. Um, uh, maybe I'll, I'll do this. I think I, if I do this, I probably won't get through your whole email, and I'll, I'll continue with it tomorrow. But um, I was working at a restaurant as a waitress on my way looking into the Catholic Church. I quit business. I quit Protestant ministry. I quit everything. Moved to New York and took a waitress job. And the, it was in the a vile section of the city where the video, adult video store owner had been shot the week before. It was poor and dangerous but it's a diner and i love diners and they hired me even though i didn't have experience and the waitresses were all in their 20s maybe 30s out of jail drugs gangs all of that and so they would all and there was i was in my 40s and they were all young and and the the four letter words flew all over the place and so did jesus name and they would say jesus christ all the time all over the name and i'm there 
And I said, oh, now what do I do? What do I do? I can't instruct them not to say that. I can't lecture them. They're not going to be interested, and, and I'll be out of that place. I said, what am I going to do? So I let two weeks go by with all their cursing. And then one day, one of the waitresses said his name out loud. And I said, oh, I love him. And they said, what? I said, I love him. You love whom? I would, my name, Rosalind, before I was Mother Miriam. They said, Roz, who do you love? I said, Jesus Christ. She said, what are you talking about? I said, well, you said his name. She said, no, I didn't. I said, yes, you just said Jesus. She said, oh, oh, I was just, I didn't mean that. I, I mean, uh, were you offended? I said, no, I'm not offended. Say it all the time. I love him. You could say it as many times as you want. Well, the story goes on, and I'll tell you the rest of the story tomorrow. It's a great, great story. So, Andrew, the, the, the moral of the story is, as Jesus came from heaven and became one of us, to bring us to God. We need to find a way to do that with the world. Um, Otherwise, we'll never help them cross the line and they'll just consider us as weirdos. So, um, God bless all of you. We'll continue this tomorrow. God bless you.